All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 68 of Posios Picks. In this episode, we got a little collab episode going. I'm very excited for it. We're doing an NBA mock draft, NBA draft, complete breakdown, picks, analysis, all that good stuff. To help me out today, I've got Joey, I've got Max from their own podcast, Zero on the Clock. Uh, welcome, guys. Thank, thank you for you. thank you for having me yeah, on your thank show. You for thank us. you for coming yeah. on mine. Thank you for having us over. Um, I'm I've been looking forward to this for forever. The draft has been the all the topics and all the trades and the odds have have been going crazy the past few days. So I know we're gonna have a lot to talk about. Um, we're just gonna dive right into it. Just to start, we're gonna kind of just go prospect by prospect, kind of pick by pick, and then see uh, where we go from there. So. The number one prospect currently in terms of odds, my personal number one prospect in the draft is Jabari Smith. His odds to go number one are currently minus 210, according to FanDuel. <clears throat> I just think Jabari's the best player in this draft. I think he has the highest ceiling in this draft. I mean, he can score at all three levels easily. He's going to be a seven-footer by the time he stops growing. Um, there's obviously a lot of concerns with him just in terms of like how he defended this year at Auburn and things like that. But I'm, I'm curious to see how you guys feel about Jabari. Yeah, no. So I'll end up going next. Uh, I'm Joey, by the way, uh, from zero on the clock. And for this pick, I'm going to also go Jabari number one. I think from what I've heard, the Magic really, really like Jabari. And I do as well. I think he should go number one, uh, especially because he would fit perfectly on the Magic. Uh, he's a guy that's you know 6'10". He's got an extremely long wingspan, so that can help him a lot on the defensive end. He wasn't a great defender in college, but he definitely has the ability to become an even better defender and a really good defender in the N NBA, especially if he can put on weight and you know get in the gym and get that hard work. And being the number one pick, I know he's going to have that hard work. And uh, yeah, I definitely think Jabari is going to be the one to go number one. I think personally that Chet has a little bit higher of a ceiling, but I just don't think that the Magic are going to end up uh, going with him at number one. So, Max, what are your thoughts on the number one pick? Yeah, so, yeah, by the way, guys, I'm Max from Zero on the Clock. Um, yeah, so my opinion on this pick is I think that the Magic will take Jabari Smith number one. Um, personally, uh, I would probably take Chet if I were the Orlando Magic. Uh, but I really see why they, that Jabari would go number one. I mean, he's a 6'10", 220-pound small forward with a 7'1 wingspan, uh, very reminiscent of KD at times with his shot, uh, mm -hmm. was a very efficient three-point shooter at Auburn. 42% from three is really good. Um, yeah. And nearly half his shots were from three, so that's, that's a really good sign to see that. Um, I think he's going to be end up being a really good defender in the NBA. Um, I think more so his issue is is scoring inside the arc. So at Auburn, he only shot 43.5% inside the arc. Um, so he does need to work on, like, especially getting to the basket, being more aggressive and using his size um, and being able to play through contact better is, I think, something that he needs to work on. And also just being more of a, an actual shot creator because there was times at Auburn when he was just relying on his size to shoot over guys and – that's a you know in college that works but you know when you get to the nba you're gonna have to start creating your own space at times because uh, everybody in the nba is tall everybody's athletic so um those are my personal opinions i think he's a great player uh, i would probably just go chat but i think he will be number one pick 
Yeah, yeah, I feel you 100%. I mean, everyone who has listened to our show for since the college basketball season knows how much I loved Auburn and loved Jabari. But I agree with you. Like, you saw it a lot of times. He would just get the ball at, like, 20 feet, like, not even dribble a couple jab steps and just shoot over someone. And like you said, that worked. But he's he's got to definitely create more uh, off the dribble. And, I mean, he's so much longer than everyone, and he's athletic for his size. He really does need to improve that, like, ability going to the basket and scoring at the rim, around the rim, floaters, all that stuff. I mean, he had some great takes where he would go up and finish strong, but he definitely needs to improve that, I think, especially with the matchups he's going to get in the NBA. Yeah, for sure, and I agree 100%. as well. I think that shot creation is definitely going to be one thing that's going to be key for him in the NBA, but I think with his length and his skill and, you know, just being a guy that can be taken number one and, you know, having so much potential, I think that he can easily uh, work his game into being a great shot creator, and that's why I think that uh, I'm not going to say he's going to be Kevin Durant 2.0, but I think he definitely has a good possibility of, you know, being that just based on, you know, his dribbling and yeah. just his ability. I mean, mm-hmm. he can be an elite scorer in this league. So that's why I have him going number one as well. Yeah, I agree. Max, I'm curious, why do you, why would you take Chet number one? Because personally, I wouldn't. I'll get into that a little bit later, but I'm curious yeah. as to why you would take Chet. So the obvious big concern with Chet is his frame, right? He's 195 pounds for being seven feet tall. And I will say that is a little bit concerning. Um, But we seem to forget that Evan Mobley came into the league only 20 pounds heavier than Chet Holmgren this year and was putting up amazing numbers all season. He was thought of as rookie of the year pretty much most of the season. And I think personally, if Chet can get up to that 215 range, 210, 215 range within his rookie Mm -hmm. year, or year two, I think he's going to be just as good as Evan Mobley, if not better, because he's a better shooter. Um, He's a better playmaker. And I think he, at Gonzaga, honestly, I think he was a little limited um, in terms of showing off his offensive potential because he was playing alongside Drew Timmy, who was an All-American center. Um, I think he's also got great ball handling skills for a center. If you guys haven't watched, by the way, if no one's watched his highlight tapes by now, I mean, you definitely got to do that because he is like the full package. He's one of the best rim protectors in this draft, Um, can play some perimeter defense for being that size. He can pass really well, like I said, ball handle. He does everything, and that's why I really like him, and I think his upside is personally the highest in this draft. Um, But, yeah, the the frame is a bit of a concern, and that's really the the glaring issue. And and also, too, um, you know, Joey mentioned this to us yesterday, but his – um, inability to to share his medical records with with teams is a little bit concerning as well. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully, he's kind of just doing that because he's confident that he's going to get drafted high anyway, and that's not actually he's not hiding a huge uh, medical concern. But barring any injury or medical concerns, I think he's the best player. Yeah, that's fair. I I think that's a big point to look into too, especially like. He was, I mean, he played the whole year at Gonzaga. Like, he wasn't, he never got hurt, which is, like, very important, especially, like, like you said, the main concern is his frame. Uh, Like you, like, going off what you said as well, he, I think he is the best shot blocker in the draft. I know Walker Kessler blocked more shots this year at Auburn. But, like, the way Chet, like, his timing, especially his size, like, he was always guarding the biggest guy on the floor, and he was still blocking shots, guys that are 50, 60 pounds heavier than him. 
So I think that's going to be a really important part of his game. I was super low on Chet coming into the draft, like leading up, especially like through the college basketball season. I didn't think he really deserved to be the number one pick at all. But, I mean, he he does have that ceiling. I just think that, like, comparing it to Jabari, it's going to be – I think it's going to be a lot easier for Jabari to reach his ceiling than Chet. I think there's, like, a few more factors that are going to go into it, especially, like, the teams they end up playing for. So, that that's my take on Chet. But I think he's going to be good. Yeah. No, definitely. And, uh, that yeah, that 7-6 wingspan definitely helps him with, with all of that. Yeah. But uh, I think I think you're right. I think that where he ends up is going to be very important too. Um, but I do actually think the Thunder might be a good fit for him uh, at the number two spot, which is where I think he'll go. Because uh, yeah. I like Josh Giddy a lot as a playmaker um, mm-hmm. and Shea Gilgis. And I think those are two guys that can get him the ball. And he's not competing with any big men on the Thunder necessarily for, for point production. Because um, at Gonzaga, he only averaged 8.8 shots per game, which is very yeah. low for a guy of his caliber. So... Yeah, I agree. I mean, we can just, like, lead right into that. So, yeah, Chet, sure. Chet is uh, minus 185 to go number two. He's currently plus 350 to go number one, which uh, I'm, we'll get into that in a second to, with Paolo and all that movement. So, he's minus 185 to go two, plus 350 to go number one, and he's plus 440 to go three. I can honestly see Chet going anywhere one through three. I wouldn't be surprised if he moves anywhere in those spots but joey go ahead with your uh thoughts yeah on no Chet. i'm personally high on Chet as well i've been high on him since high school and i could just tell from you know the way that he dribbled the way that he scored how easy it was in high school that he was going to be a dominant player and like max said i think that he was a little bit not a little bit a lot held back at gonzaga i think he could have easily came in and averaged 20 a game no problem if drew timmy wasn't there because like Max said, he only averaged about eight shots a game. And on those eight shots, he averaged 14 points. He also averaged 10 rebounds, two assists, which is really good. He also shot 61% from the field and mm-hmm. 39% from three, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. And to add on to that as well, um, you know, his defense, we all know, he averaged se- uh, 3.7 blocks a game, and he also averaged a steal. And that's doing that and only 2.7 fouls a game. So he's not even like getting into extreme foul trouble as well mm-hmm. and I think that's going to be extremely you know good for him at the NBA level uh, just how great of a defender he is and I think that his offensive game at the NBA level especially going to the Thunder like you said Max he can get a lot more shots uh, I think he's a guy that can come into the league and make a big impact right away no problem yeah I mean he's going to have that ability to shoot over people especially like, especially with how the NBA is, it's really positionless. So, like, if you get, like, a 6'7 Draymond Green on Chet, like, he's he's going to be able to go over him every time. I'd so. say the only concern I have, though, is his ability in the post because there was times at, you know, in college when there wasn't too big of guys on him, but, you know, they could body him up yeah. because he's not, you know, strong and he's not, you know, he's just too skinny. Mm-hmm. So I think that if he can end up getting that weight on, which I think – uh, you know, him going to the NBA and getting in on those meal plans and, you know, the whole uh, everything about it. Uh, right. I think that he's going to end up being great, and I think he would fit perfectly with Josh Giddy and Shea Gill just over there on the Thunder. Yeah, 100%. Uh, 
the Thunder scare me. Like as I mean, we're all we're all Pistons fans, so the Thunder scare me a little bit. Yeah. Just because they've got a really good young core. Coming and they in have too. so many picks. Yeah. Of so many young guys that they can get still. Yeah, I love Lou Dort too. Lou Dort is a beast. Mm-hmm. Like they're good. We could save that for another time, but hey, Jalen um, Horde is going to be—he's going to be a dog in the league for a while too. That guy's so yeah. underrated. Yeah, hey, I remember last year we had some bets, fifteen plus boards at like plus seven hundred. That legit. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the season, yeah. he was great. Yeah, they got some dogs, and I mean, like even if those guys don't stick around, they're just like they've continuing continuously developed good NBA players there. So I think that's a really good spot for yeah. Chet to go. Um. All right, number three pick. This will like kind of tie everything together with the top three. Um, number three pick. My personal number three on my board, and according to the odds, Paolo Bancaro is minus two twenty to go number three. Interestingly enough, he's plus five fifty to go number two, but he's currently plus two forty to go number one. So he has higher odds to go number one. The number two to go uh, number four, he's plus 2,700. So I don't really think we have to talk about that. I think these guys are unanimous, one, two, three, wherever you put them. But <clears throat> this line movement for the number one pick has been insane. I I mean, what what was he at like two Paolo? days ago? Paolo yeah, was plus 800 one. to go number one. Yeah. Literally yesterday morning when yeah. I checked. So. Now he's plus 240 to go yeah, number that's one. That's wild. So I, I think it's really clear that – like or either Orlando wants him or he's going to Houston. OKC it doesn't seem like they want him, especially with all the odds, yep. which is weird. Like it's really weird, weird to me. The movement is crazy, um, but I personally think he's going number three. Obviously, he had a great year. I think he was one of the more polished players from day one. I think he had. I think he has the most league ready body and skill set. I, I think I think he's gonna make an, a really good impact early. I think he's gonna be able to keep that up, but I think those guys are gonna be able to pass him Jabari Chat and once we get later in the year and then down like down the road in their careers. But Paolo just had a bag from, from game one. I mean I remember watching that Duke and Zaga game. Uh was that feast week? Like that yeah, yeah mm-hmm. like that November week and yep. Paolo was just balling i mean that game was unbelievable yeah. chet played well in that game too but paulo has the most league ready skill set and body and i i think he's he's gonna be really really good yeah i agree and i can lead that right into my statement um yeah i think that paulo is definitely the most nba ready prospect in this draft mm-hmm. last season at the beginning of the year i was extremely high on him he was my number one guy that was until a few weeks into the season when Jabari Smith Jr. came along, and I just fell in love with him because of how good he could score, how efficient he was from the three-point line, just how much of a leader he was. I think that was uh, awesome to see. But, you know, back to Paolo. Um, like I said, I think he's the most NBA-ready prospect, and I think that uh, also I have him going number three to the Houston Rockets, and I think if he goes number three, this is sort of a hot take, but not really. I think he will win Rookie of the Year if yeah. he goes to Houston. I, think I feel like that's a Houston. perfect fit. He can go over there with uh, Jalen Green. And I think he could be a guy that really could go in and average about like 16 to 20 a game if he wanted to. I mean, he's got everything in the bag that uh, you could want. Uh, he's not like an amazing three-point shooter, but he's not terrible. I mean, he can hit it from three-point range if you need it. So I think Paulo 
is definitely – I'm not going to say definitely going to win Rookie of the Year, but I think that if he goes to the Rockets, it's a perfect fit. I think that, you know, uh, Kevin Porter Jr. is going to be able to dish him the ball. He's going to be a lob throw. He's going to be everything for them. And uh, I think that he can even take over as the number one option if needed, you know, late in the game mm-hmm. uh, just because of how young they are. But, yeah, I that's my thoughts on Paolo Boncaro. Yeah, I uh, I like everything that you guys had to say about him because I feel like he has the highest floor um, in this draft class. Like Theo said, like Joey said, with his size um, and athleticism, 40-inch vertical, and also being 6'10", uh, 250. Uh, that's mm-hmm. that's something that it's, that's God-given right there. There's nothing you, know, you could do to do that, to stop that. Um, I actually have a hot take about Paolo. I think he actually is a better shot creator than Jabari Smith as of right now. I think I he does a really good job, really good job of getting into the paint and finding his spots, especially around that mm-hmm. free throw line. Um, good mid range shot. He's not a, a, as nowhere near as good of a three point shooter as Paulo or Chet. I mean, as Jabari or Chet, but mm-hmm. he is very skilled in the low post. Um, very good at getting to the rim whenever he wants, uh, and he's also a really good playmaker too. I feel like that's an underrated aspect of his game. Um, the one thing that is a little bit concerning was his like defensive effort at times but it was just that it was a lack of effort and that's something that can be fixed up when you're in the NBA um and he has the size and the athleticism to be a great defender it's just if he puts his mind to it is he going to be a good defender um which yeah. I think he will be uh-huh. that was my main point like when when you were that was what I was thinking his his effort was something that was like his main concern especially on offense because like you said, he's a dog, and he has that ability to get to his spot, back somebody down, get a layup, get a dunk. Like, we saw those glimpses of him, but sometimes he would kind of disappear. And I'd be like, why Why is he not just going to work right. the entire game? I remember uh, when Duke played State in the tournament. I'm like, this dude can score on Joey Hauser every possession. And he started doing it at the end of the game. That's why they won, but I, like – I'm curious to see, like, if that dog comes out in him more once he gets into the league because he's, he's going to have good matchups and he's going to have the ability to kind of move people around even as a young guy. So I think I think that's a really interesting thing to look at with Paolo moving forward. Yeah, most, most definitely. And I think for all three of these guys, I will say this. Uh, this is something that Luka Doncic said is that the NBA is easy to score in, um, mm-hmm. relatively easy to score in, and that's because of the – the court is wider, the three-point lines are longer, and there's more spacing. So that gives Paulo more opportunities, especially on a Houston team with Jalen Green and Kevin Porter, um, guys who can really shoot the ball from three. Uh, that gives him a lot of spacing to get to the paint and not have to worry about too much health defense from other teams. So um, that's something that I think I think Paulo's going to show that dog, like you said, when he gets to the NBA. Because um, at the college level, he already knew he was going to be a top pick. Um, it was just a matter of, you know, effort at the end of the day. All right. So right. moving on to the number four pick, this is, I know these next couple of picks are going to be a long Very discussion with, with all of us, uh, especially since, distance fans, yeah, right? yeah, since they're involved in it. So according to the odds, <clears throat> Jaden Ivey is favored to go number four right now at minus 130. Ivy is plus twelve hundred to go number three. Like I said, I, I don't really think we need to talk about that that much. Paolo Chetjabari are gonna go one, two, three. Um, depending on what order, we don't know, but 
So Ivy is minus 130 to go number four. He is plus 230 to go number five. I personally love Jaden Ivy. Obviously, I mean, I know, I know like we're all big time guys too. I watched a ton of Purdue this year. He he to me, I, I it's kind of like a crazy statement, just but just his play style. He's John Morant, yeah, but he's, he's electric. But he's an inch taller and he's twenty five pounds heavier. Yeah, like he's just as fast too. Yeah, much. like he's quick. and I I think that like a point that I've been making with just like talking with people about the draft. Ivy was able to get downhill and score at the rim, and he had probably the best front court in college basketball last year, taking up a ton of space down there. Yep. Now when you go to the NBA, like you said earlier, Max, when we were talking about Houston and just the NBA overall, there's so much space to operate, and we see it with Ja all the time. I mean, Ja is light. He's really light, and he's able to get into the paint use a floater and score all the time he's number one in the league in paint points yeah so that just said something right there i i think ivy has the ability to be the best player in this draft i really do i'm very high on him obviously i hope that he falls to number five so the pistons can take him we can get into trade discussion and all that too but i love Jaden ivy I think he has a really really high ceiling I, i think he is league ready too in terms of like when we were talking about Paolo, I think his game is going to translate right away. He's got a solid three-point shot. His form is a little bit concerning, but I mean that doesn't really matter if uh, we saw he's with, making it. Yeah, yeah, we saw it with Ja this year in the playoffs too. They were leaving him open, and and he was hitting them. So he's just one of those guys. I feel like he has the ability. I mean, and he does have a better three-point shot than Ja, in my opinion. If you're going to play up on him, he's going to go right by you. And if you give him space, he's, he has that ability to shoot it and create his own shot from the perimeter as well. So yeah. I love Jay Nivey. I I hope he slips to five so the Pistons can take him. Um, you guys go ahead. Yeah, I can start next. Um, so for the number fourth pick, I believe that the Sacramento Kings are going to end up picking Keegan Murray. And the reason for this, really there's two different options. So if you actually look at the FanDuel odds, uh, right now for the number four pick, they have Jaden Ivey at minus 115 and Keegan Murray at plus 115. Mm-hmm. So those are two extremely close lines. And the reason I think this is is because I think that if a team is going to trade up to number four, let's say the Knicks, because today there was a rumor going around that they offered a couple first-round picks in exchange for the number fourth pick, and I think that if a team were going to trade up to number four, it would definitely be to draft Jaden Ivey. So I think that if a team were to trade up, Jaden Ivey is going to number four. But in this case, we have Sacramento keeping the pick. And from what I've seen, uh, Sacramento's front office, De'Aaron Fox, uh, Demonis Sabonis, they all just took Keegan Murray out to dinner because they are extremely high on him. And all this, um, you know, is going on, and they haven't even said one word to Jaden Ivey. Haven't even, like, had him come in for a workout. Mm-hmm. Haven't even spoke to him. The only two teams that Jaden Ivey has worked out for are the Orlando Magic and the Detroit Pistons. So I think that that's going to be the case at number four, and I think that, uh, you know, if a team trades up, like, I feel like the Knicks would definitely be the team to trade up because they are – uh, one of the teams that are extremely high on Jaden Ivey. I know the Pistons are as well, but the Knicks are so high on him that they're willing to give away their future 
uh, to draft this guy. And that's exactly why I think he personally, I would pick him at number four. I think the Kings are, I personally don't know what they're thinking. Maybe it's because they went guard the last three years and they messed up and had to trade Halliburton and stuff. But I just think that they'd be making the wrong decision personally with Keegan Murray. But just from the reports, uh, I'm going to go Keegan Murray here. Yeah. I mean, they're just a poverty franchise. Yeah. I mean, like, they're, they're the Lions of the NBA. Really, they, they could really go are. Dyson Daniels here. You never know yeah. with them. They, so. they stink. They, <laughs> yeah. They're just an awful franchise. Anyway, go ahead, Max. So what are your thoughts, <laughs> Max? I agree and disagree with you, Joey. So I think that mm-hmm. Keegan Murray will go number four. But I think that it does make sense for the Kings to take him number four. I think so, too. I think so, too. Me, too. Yeah. I think it's because – Yeah, and the thing is, is like, Jay Nivey is a great player. Like, he's amazing. But Mm -hmm. in terms of positional need, I think that the Kings need more of a guy, like a wing player who can play defense, who can shoot, um, a 3 and D kind of guy like Keegan Murray. Um, Because they have De'Aaron Fox, and they just drafted Davion Mitchell last year, who – was ended up becoming pretty good at the end of the season. Yeah, he he um, had a good year. Yeah. So I, I don't think they need a guard here. And honestly, I don't think it would make much sense for them to go with another guard. Um, I think they should just keep building around De'Aaron Fox and keep getting him, keep getting solid players around him. And a guy who shoots 40% from three, Keegan Murray. Um, we all watch Big Ten, like uh, Theo said. And we saw Keegan Murray last year. We saw both Keegan Murray and Jaden Ivey. And, you know, I was equally impressed with both during the college basketball season mm-hmm. last year. So um, Keegan Murray is going to be a great player. The only thing I will say is that his numbers were probably a little inflated because he was playing a center role and he kind of, I guess, had that mismatch always of being guarded by the other team's five. And he's really not mm-hmm. a true five. So he probably scored more than he should have. I don't think his skill set is as good as 24 points per game. I don't think it's going to translate as well into the NBA, but I think he could be a good, like, I can honestly think he could be like a Sadiq player, Sadiq Bay kind of player for the Kings. Um, mm-hmm. I think he could be a great defender, uh, has length, can shoot. Um, I think that's what the Kings need at four, personally. I'll tell you this. I personally, when I see Keegan Murray, I see a little bit of Jeremy Grant. Like, he can score the ball. He can score very efficiently. I mean, he shot, what What did he shoot from three this year? I'd 40%, 39 point. Yeah, he shot 40%. From, so he was great from three-point this year. And he shot a lot of three-pointers. He had that one game in the tournament where he went eight for ten. So mm-hmm. he's a guy that can make a ton of threes, uh, you know, if his, he gets his number called. Uh, but, you know, Keegan Murray is just uh, – he would be great defensively. He could guard personally one through five. I think he can – I don't know if he's going to be guarding Giannis or uh, Embiid right away. But, you know, if he can get some muscle on, I think he's got the defensive ability to guard him just because of how lengthy he is, how smart he is. He has one of the highest basketball IQs in this draft for sure. Uh, He's an extremely smart kid, uh, and I just think he would fit well in the Kings as well. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of – oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say that I think he reminds me a lot of Tobias Harris. Like that was who the guy – that was the guy I first thought of when I was watching Keegan. Just a guy who could shoot. He's tall uh, for a wing, mm. and yeah, yeah, I like that. I mean, like down the stretch at the end of like when when conference tournaments started, like that last stretch of Big Ten play and the conference tournaments. I mean, I know Iowa got bounced in the first round, but I I thought he was the best player in the country 
And like I said earlier, I loved Jabari. Like, Jabari was by far my favorite player. But Keegan Murray was just giving everybody work. It did not matter. Like you said, Max, like, he, he did have a lot of bigs on him. So, I mean, he really had free reign. He can, But he can score at all three levels. He can defend. I just I think his skill set is is going to translate really wherever he wherever he ends up. I wouldn't mind if the Pistons took him, like if he if he gets if Ivy goes 4 and then we take Murray at 5, I personally don't think we will, but um I I think Keegan Murray is going to be a really good player. I think something that's unique about this draft and a lot of people are saying it's not that good of a draft. I really don't agree with that at all. I think there's a lot of guys who can be really solid like really solid players in the league and give teams good minutes right off the bat. But I think this draft is unique in terms of, I think there's 10 guys who can legitimately win rookie of the year next year in terms of like their role on their team, where they end up, their skill set. I think there's a lot of factors and that's what makes me excited for this draft is there's so many guys that are going to be able to contribute to a bunch of different roles all over the league so that that's my take for that i mean we can we can kind of do four and five together so uh going to the number five pick keegan murray is plus 135 to go number five um the number five pick is obviously held by our detroit pistons um he's plus 135 to go number five but he's plus 125 to go number four. Oh well he moved to plus 115 I mean, I put these odds up 20 right minutes before we started recording, yeah. and it already moved down mm-hmm. more towards him going number four. So he's plus 115 to go number four. Um, they don't have odds for who's going to be number six. But um, let, let's let's get into this as more of like a Pistons perspective. Who do you guys want to see the Pistons take, like, if we get our dream scenario and then if Ivy goes number four, I'm curious about that. One of you guys can start. Yeah, I can I can start that. Um personally, obviously dream scenario is the Kings keep their pick. They take Keegan Murray at number four, Jaden Ivy drops to number five, and we win the Jaden Ivy sweepstakes. Mm-hmm. That's best case scenario. I think if that happens, honestly, I would personally not mind extending Jeremy Grant. I know a lot of people want him to be traded, but I still think he could be a great, you know, have a great role on this team, and he's a leader as well. I think for him to work, though, he's going to have to definitely take a step down on the offensive end. He's going to have to, you know, be more of like a 16 to 17 point per game player rather than like a, you know, 22 point per game. Mm-hmm. I think now is where we have to, you know, give the reins to Cade, uh, have him run the team, and have him and Jaden Ivey in the backcourt. But if that doesn't happen, let's say that somebody comes up and trades up to number four and takes Jaden Ivey. <clears throat> I personally, based on yesterday, uh, there was a report that came out about Ben Matherin. Mm-hmm. And apparently Detroit's front office and coaching staff is said to be especially interested in Ben Matherin's intriguing combination of current productivity and future upside, as well as his potential fit with Cade Cunningham. Uh, you know, I haven't seen a ton of talk about Keegan Murray um, I think that if he does fall to us, we could potentially draft him. But just based off of that, I think that Detroit really, really, really likes Benedict Matherin. Mm-hmm. And I know in all of Troy Weaver's press conferences, he was talking uh, about getting a guy that's going to fit 
and them saying that they really like his character and things like that. I think Benedict Matherin is going to be the pick at number five for the Pistons. Uh, and if that's the case, uh, I think that the Pistons definitely should try and move on from Jeremy Grant, get a little bit of a package. Maybe, you know, I seen a thing today that Max sent me. It was about the Hawks. They were uh, apparently thinking about trading Bogdan Bogdanovich in the 16th pick for Jeremy Grant, which honestly for the Pistons, that would be a pretty solid uh, get back for Jeremy. I think we could take a guy like EJ Liddell or Tari Eason over there at number 16, and, you know, we can run with that. But, um, yeah, that's my personal opinion on uh, best and, you know, you know, all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I think Jaden Ivey's, like, he is the dream pick there at number five. Like, he – Theo, you hit it on the, net, the, the nail on the head earlier when you compared him to Ja because I was, like, taking notes um, on a Google Doc of all the prospects that I liked, and that was literally the comparison I gave him was Ja Morant. Um, he's so explosive. Uh, he can get to the basket whenever. Uh, his first step is just so quick. Like, no one can really defend that. And that's something that Ja, mm-hmm. that's what makes Ja so unstoppable. And his development from his three point shot, I actually wasn't super high on Jaden Ivey heading into this last college basketball season. Um, but that was only because of his three point shot. And he worked on that a lot. And he got up to like 36%, which is good enough. And that's. Well, 10% better. Yeah, exactly. Sure. So I think that would be a great fit alongside of Kate Cunningham, who is great playing off ball as well. Jaden Ivey's not much of a playmaker, but um, there can be times where both can play off ball and the other one can mm. kind of just take over uh, whenever necessary. Now, if we weren't going to get Jaden Ivey, I would actually want Keegan Murray at that point, but I don't think we would get him. Like Joey said, I think Benedict Matherin would probably be the pick there. Uh, based on kind of the reports that have been coming out and all these updated mock drafts with Benedict Matherin going five. I personally am not a huge fan of Benedict Matherin at five. I think he's a good player, but I don't think um, at number five we're getting as much bang for our buck as I'd like. I think he is a bit, I don't know, spazzy at times. He's not a very good playmaker for a guard. He His assist-to-turnover ratio is like, uh, well, he averages more turnovers than assists. I'll just say that. Um, mm-hmm. And that's something that's a little bit concerning for me as a guard. Uh, he shoots a lot of threes. He's pretty efficient, but his jump shot is a little awkward. Um, solid defender, but I, I just feel like Keegan Murray would probably be the better pick there. Yeah, fair. Um, personally, I, I, I agree with you guys both 100%. Um, nightmare scenario for me is if the Knicks – trade up to number four and take yeah. ivy i same nightmare <laughs> i don't want i would be sick to my oh my god I, that I, yeah that'd be terrible yeah. i don't i don't want new york to take some away from they us don't deserve him they don't no they don't at oh, all he on. wants to come here uh yeah i agree with you dream scenario we get ivy at five <clears throat> um but if we don't if ivy goes at four wherever he goes if someone trades up or if the kings just take him um I, th- I think Ben Matherin's going to be the pick as well. It's a bit confusing, um, especially, like, with the line movement. But, I mean, it, it looks like, the- especially the way it's been trending, Ben Matherin is plus 250 to go number five. I think that's incredible value. Um, that's something I'm I'm going to take personally. I agree with that, though. Yeah. I think that's great value. Yeah, that's something I'm going to take personally. But I-, I just think that Ben Matherin complements Cade a little bit more um, in terms of like Ben Matherin played the two at Arizona 
He already has experience playing the two. Jaden Ivey handled the ball a lot at Purdue, which concerns me a little bit because, like, a lot of his game is creating his shot, getting to the basket. I think Ben Matherin, even though his percentages are a little bit wacky, he, I mean, he took a ton of shots. And he's one of those guys who, when he gets hot, like, it's over. He's taking the game over. So I think he compliments Cade a little bit more in terms of, like, in terms of being a number two option. I think Ivy is better in terms of just a backcourt talent-wise, like, altogether. But I think he compliments Cade a little bit more in the backcourt just because of his his ability to move off the ball, to get his shot off the catch, off the dribble. Um, I, I really like Ben Matherin. I liked him all year at Arizona. I loved Arizona all year. Um, so personally, I think that would be the pick. Like I said earlier, I wouldn't mind if we took Keegan Murray because I, I think he's going to be good as well. But I, I think we're going guard. Um, yeah, so I, I think it's going to be Ben Mather. And I think either way, Troy Weaver is going to make the right pick. Uh, it kind of sucks that we slipped to five in the lottery. Yeah, like, I wish we could have got top three yeah. and solidified one of the bigs. But... I know. Even, even if we had the number four pick, I'd feel so much better. Yeah. Like <laughs> us being at five really sucks. I will say this, though. Being at five isn't absolutely terrible because we could end up coming out with a top two guard in the draft, even yeah. the best guard in the draft, which That's is facts. great. Yeah. Um, That's facts. And especially um, with the news breaking today that apparently DeAndre Ayton's preferred destinations are the Detroit Pistons or the Atlanta Hawks if he doesn't end up staying with the Suns. And personally, from you know everything that I've been seeing, I don't think that he's going to end up staying with the Suns. No, in game seven, they ended up you know, benching him and not even playing him the whole game because of internal issues, I think that raises, you know, extreme, uh, you know, issues. I mean, that's just a big red flag, and uh, I don't think the Suns are going to want to deal with that, and I think he's going to end up going to a new team. And, you know, being able to get, you know, the best guard in the draft and potentially being able to get uh, DeAndre Ayton in free agency, that would definitely be the dream scenario uh, for us as Detroit Pistons fans. And it's looking good as of right now. Um, but, you know, it just depends what the Suns want to do with DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Ayton is – getting Ayton and Ivy is, like, the dream, dream scenario for all of us, at least personally for me. Like, if, if we can make that happen somehow, I think that'll be great. I am concerned a little bit because it's it, – I mean, it looks like it's going to be a sign-and-trade with Phoenix. It, it definitely will be. I'm concerned in terms of like what we're gonna have to give up, what we're gonna have to move. I don't know if we're gonna Jeremy. be able to ke to keep every single piece. I yeah, but um, yeah, but if we can if we can make the moves to to get a solid guard, Ivy or Matherin, and then bring Aiden in to play with Cade, I I think we're in great position to at least make the play in next year. Like I I think we're a top ten team in the East with. Cade, Matherin or Ivy, Sadiq, uh, if we keep Bagley and Aiden. Like it, I agree. I, I think that I think that's a playoff team. And that's just, I think that's a, a great core to build around. So hopefully we can make that happen. Yeah, Aiden would be definitely a great piece to add. And one thing I want to say, I the reason why I don't think he's gonna return to the Suns is because he's got to realize by now that the Suns dynasty, the, the clock is ticking on that because Chris Paul is only going to get older and older every year. 
he's not going to be around much longer. And when it's just him and Devin Booker, I mean, they're a good team, but they're not going to be a contending team, in my opinion. Um, if he comes to the Pistons, he's coming to a team that will have a top five pick from this year, Cade Cunningham, uh, Sadiq Bey. Uh, we'll see about Jeremy Grant. Probably not, but we'll have a good young core to build around. And then also having Eaton down low would be perfect. And then Isaiah Stewart as a backup center would be amazing. Yeah. Um, so I think that'd be a great pickup for us. I was hoping that we would get the number one pick this year, number two pick and get Chet. But I think DeAndre Ayton is a great, great pickup. It just equally is good for us, honestly, at this point in the, in the rebuild process. Yeah. I think, I think the Suns realize that, uh, I think the Suns realize that there's probably three or four teams that are going to be better than them in the West next year. And, like, I, I don't know how much better Devin Booker can play than what he did last year. Like, the Grizzlies are going to be better than the Suns. The Warriors are obviously better than them. The Clippers are going to get Kawhi back. And I think the Nuggets are a sleeper yeah, team next the, year. Yeah, like, the Nuggets gonna... are probably going to be better than them as well. That's, I mean, that's four teams that you can argue that are better than them right? just on paper. So, I think, I mean, even though it's a shame for them, they got to the finals and – and lost and then they lost to the Mavs and just that crazy implosion yes. in that game seven. But I mean, yes. it, it sucks for them, but I, I like, I think if, if I'm a Phoenix Suns fan, you have to blow it up. Like what else are you going to do? I, I would, I've said this forever with the Pistons and it took us eight years to do it. And now we're like, we finally did it and sucked and now we're going to be good again. Thank God. Yes. But I would much rather be, contending and like making our way to conference finals and NBA finals appearances than being the eighth seed for five or six years. Like I, I, I agree. Great. Like I getting swept every year. That's not that fun. Right. Like I would, I would much rather be contending. So if I'm the Suns, I think you got to realize your, your potential is like three, four seed and all these other guys have better young cores. All those teams are going to get better Denver, if they can get healthy, is going to be a, a tough team to beat. Obviously, Michael Porter Jr. is a big, like a big question mark for them always. But I mean, Jamal Murray getting him back is going to be huge. Yeah, I mean, Jokic is back-to-back MVP. Like, they're 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 going to be really good. So if I'm the Suns, I personally move on from Aiden. I hope that they do. I hope that he comes here. Um, but the the Pistons really have a lot of opportunity to make some noise in this draft. Obviously, we've got Jeremy Grant, who's a big piece, like a big trade asset for a lot of teams. I didn't really realize how much of an asset he is to other teams in the league. Um, but I I personally think I agree with – I think that was what you said, Joey. If we get Matherin and don't get Ivy, I think we have to move Jeremy yeah. uh, in the draft. Mm-hmm. And I, I have full confidence in Troy Weaver that he's going to do that. Yeah, I just – I think that – Moving on for Jeremy would definitely be good for us. Um, yeah, if we drafted Ben Matherin or didn't get Jay Nivey in that sense. I think also another guy that's, uh, you know, very mysterious is going to be Shaden Sharp. Mm-hmm. I think he's a guy that, like, personally, I wouldn't even be mad if we took him number five. I don't think that we would because we haven't really talked about him too much at all. Um, but I think he's a guy that, you know, could be a top three player in this draft when it's all said and done. I mean, his potential is through the roof. We just haven't seen much of him, and he's super young. Uh, he didn't even play at Kentucky last year. 
But, um, yeah, I think that's also another guy that we definitely could get at number five. But, um, yeah, moving Jeremy I think would be huge because last year I remember there was one point that the Celtics offered us three first-round picks straight up for Jeremy Grant, and we didn't end up taking it. So that kind of, like, had me thinking, like, okay, so we really, really like Jeremy Grant. Mm -hmm. Troy Weaver drafted Jeremy Grant. Or, no, he didn't draft him, but, uh, you know, over there in OKC. He brought him there. Yeah, he brought him over there in OKC, and he built a strong relationship with him over there and then brought him to the Pistons. And, you know, the relationship is just very good. So that's why I feel like we could definitely keep him. But on the other side, the NBA is a business, so I feel like we definitely need to get some assets for him, especially if we're, you know, not hitting the lottery and getting Jaden Ivey. Now, who has – does Portland have seven? Yes. Portland has six. Uh, they're definitely Pacers have six. to get Jeremy. Yeah. I would yeah. like I would love going off what you said, Joey. I would love to see if we don't get Ivy moving Jeremy, getting number seven and taking Shade and Sharp. Because I think I agree I, think Sharp is... I agree wholeheartedly with what you said. I think he can I think he can be the best guard in this draft. For sure. Like his ability, his like his athleticism D, like obviously there's a lot of question marks and he is a risk but if we don't end up getting that solid pick in Ivy I'm I'm down for the Pistons to take a little gamble on Shaden Sharp I I think that'd be yeah. a good I think that'd be a good move for us especially picking up Matherin at 5 Yeah and I think another thing about Shaden Sharp is if you think about it he was supposed to be in next year's draft class and he was going to be competing for that number 1 spot mm-hmm. I mean it's probably end up going to be Victor, you know, I don't know how to say his last name, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Oh, Lemon Yama. Oh. Yeah, he's extremely good. I think he's definitely going to be the number one pick next year. But, you know, Shaden Sharp probably would have been the number two pick yeah. uh, next year because, you know, he was the number one player in his class for next year. Ended up reclassifying, going to Kentucky a year early, didn't end up playing, and now he's in the NBA draft. So, I just, I don't know, I'm just in love with potential. Yeah. And him being so young and seeing what he can do he just looks like a Zach Levine or Bradley Beal like his shot creation is very good Mm -hmm. Uh, one thing about him is that um, you know sometimes he makes the wrong reads passing wise or he can dribble too much or yuck up a really deep three-pointer for no reason but I mean the highlights that we saw was all uh, in AAU where they really don't you know think about defense too much they're just trying to score and show their potential so I don't know I just think Shaden Sharp uh, personally, I think he could be a. I think he could even be the number one player in this draft when it's all said and done. But I'll just put him at top. Yeah, three. I I think I think a guy like Cade garners like already garners a lot of respect too, which is really important when we're looking at drafting these like one and done or like even like Shane Sharp type guys. I mean, these guys are nineteen, and I know Cade is obviously still very young. Twenty. But yeah, like the way he carried himself this year, the way he carried this team, he wants to be a leader, he wants to be in Detroit, he wants to build this organization back up. I think a lot of people around the league respect him. I think a lot of the players, especially in this draft, played with or against Cade, um, like in that AAU high school circuit. So like getting a guy like Shaden Sharp to to compliment Cade in a backcourt or like even in a three position because he's six seven too mm-hmm. so i mean exactly. mm-hmm. he can play the three we can move sadiq to the four like there's so many things that are gonna continually 
move in terms of the NBA. Like I mean, we see it already. Draymond played the five in the in the finals this year, and he's six, arguably yeah. six seven. He's yeah. six six. Six six. Like uh, there's there's just so much potential for the Pistons with these picks. It's exciting. I, yeah, I mean, but it is. also nerve wracking. So. Yeah, it is. I mean, I I know it's not a perfect world, and it's going to be tough. And like something's going to happen that we don't want to happen. Right. I feel like, but as long as New York doesn't trade up to four and take IBM. Hey, Max, I'm actually curious on your thoughts on Shaden Sharp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Shaden Sharp, like, like you guys said it. Like you guys explained him very well. He has a lot of potential. Um, but he also does have that risk factor of not having played in the G League or at college last year. So we don't really have any good like highlights to go off of. Um, all, all we've got is AAU and high school ball. Uh, so it's a little difficult to really assess him right now and how he's going to transition into the NBA this year. Uh, I think eventually he's going to be a good player. I just think he's going to have that learn. The learning curve for him is going to be definitely steeper than most players just because he missed a whole year of bas- per- like organized basketball, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if we took Keegan Murray five, which I think is a safe pick, and we traded Jeremy for the seventh pick, I would be happy taking Shaden Sharp because then we That's kind of balance out a risky pick with a safer pick, which I wouldn't mm-hmm. mind. I would love. However, that. I'm going to bring in another name into the discussion, which hasn't really been talked about in most mock drafts as being number seven, but is a guy that I think might be a safer option than Shaden Sharp, but can also do a lot of what Shaden Sharp can do. And that's Malachi Branham out of Ohio State. I am so high on Malachi Branham. He is one of the best shot creators in this draft. Um, I actually think he's – I told Joey this yesterday. I think he was a better all-around offensive player last year in college basketball than Jabari Smith. And that's because he was the most accurate – or one of the most accurate mid-range shooters in college basketball. He shot over 50% from the field as a guard. And he shot 41.6% from three. All as a guard. And as the number two option behind EJ Liddell. So he couldn't really, you know, maximize his scoring potential too much. But putting up those kind of numbers as a freshman, um, that's something that's really rare. And I think that he's going to take that efficiency into the NBA. And having that mid-range shot, like that deadly of a mid-range shot, so early in his career is something that's like scary. And I think... Personally, he reminds me a lot of Devin Booker um, being able to find his spots and knock down any shot on the court. I will say he's not as athletically gifted as Shaden Sharp. So, you know, obviously Shaden Sharp has like almost a 50-inch vertical, according to some mm-hmm. reports. Uh, so you can't you can't compete with that. But to be fair, Devin Booker's not jumping, you know, 50 inches to, right. to dunk the ball. But he's I, somebody that I would take in a heartbeat on my team. Um, mm-hmm. So... It's a potential option. I don't think it's going to – he's not going to go number seven, but that's a guy that I would – if I was the GM of the of the Trailblazers, that I would personally think about a little bit. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that a lot. I mean, he was, he was a dog all year. Like, the way that he played, he did not look like a freshman at all. Like, from, from the first game, he did not look like a freshman. Like, he, he was always playing at his own pace. He was getting to his spots, creating his shots – I think, like, personally for us, well, I'll, I'll just speak for myself. Uh, he's everything that I wish Max Christie was last year. I think you guys can talk Caleb about Caleb. <laughs> yeah, Caleb a bit as well. Yeah. Like, he, he was just a dog from day one. And when we got into Big Ten play, he was cooking teams 
every single night. Like, it, it was easy for him. I think he has a ton of potential. I would love, like, um, I know we were talking about Atlanta at 16. If we made a move to take that pick with Jeremy, if he falls that low and he's still there, I think that'd be a home run pick. Like, anywhere, anywhere 12, 13, or under, if we can pick him up, I think I think that'd be great for us, and I I think he's got a ton a ton of potential. Oh yeah, yeah. So hundred um, percent agree with that. Yeah, my thoughts on Malachi Branham is um, I didn't know much about him up until uh, the Ohio State Michigan game. We actually, me and Max, ended up going to Ann Arbor and uh, we attended that game. And I remember seeing Malachi Branham just like smacking everything he was shooting, mm-hmm. and I was like, I kind of just asked Max like, who is he? And he told me about him. I told me he was a freshman out and I was in awe too like he just doesn't play like he's a freshman no, like he seems like he's been around for a while and uh you know that just shows his poise and you know just how he carries himself and I think that's great for the NBA as well mm-hmm. um but one game that I want to talk about um that I think shows his potential for sure especially being a freshman is in the game that they versus Villanova they ended up losing by 10 in the national or not the national championship in the tournament Mm -hmm. um but in that game he shot 53 percent from the field he had 23 points four assists and two rebounds versus a great Villanova defense and doing that as a freshman carrying Ohio State like that trying to you know get the win you know even EJ Liddell he outplayed him that game uh, you know, I just think Malachi Branham, uh, he has what it takes to, you know, be that guy. And personally, I have him going uh, like number 12, I believe. We'll end up getting to that. Uh, but I think he's a guy that at seven, you know, that's not too far of a stretch uh, to get him, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, he he's a dog. And that that was that's against the most experienced team in college basketball last right. year, and he was a freshman doing that. So. Mm-hmm. There, there's uh, the Pistons ah. have a lot of potential, a lot of potential for the Pistons. Um, so we can move on. Now we are at six. The Pacers, yep. Right, six. Yep. The Pacers. Um, so I had Ivy going five, obviously. Um, number six, if he's still there, depending on what happens, I think the Pacers go with Ben Matherin. Um, well, who do you guys have? I've had Ben Matherin as well, going mm-hmm. number six to the Pacers. I know they're high in him. Uh, I know they've had him in for workouts. I know he performed very well in those workouts. Actually, all of his workouts, he's performed very well. Yeah, That's why yeah. he's uh, rising up the draft boards so much. Uh, yeah, I think that would be <clears throat> a great pick for them at number six. Who did you have, Max? I have Dyson Daniels going six, um, mm. because mainly because of the reports about Brogdon being potentially traded, and that's their yeah, point guard. Yeah, I've seen that. Um, mm-hmm. Dyson Daniels could be that point guard replacement for him. Um, and actually his odds to go, I think it was his over under was set at seven and a half for his draft yeah. position on FanDuel. Um, the under looks like a pretty solid pick right now because it looks like the Pacers are very interested in, in a potential point guard if they get rid of Brogdon. So uh, we'll see what happens, but it, I'm assuming, you know, if they get rid of Brogdon, then they're definitely going to take Dyson Daniels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all those, all that Indiana talk is like, it can change the whole landscape of this draft because i saw like i didn't see much about it but i saw like the knicks are involved with trying to get brogdon like god i hate that new york is in all this <laughs> stuff but uh oh, man at least it's not the lakers <laughs> yeah facts facts but uh, dyson daniels is a good player 
I haven't seen that much of him. I mean, I have been watching like a little bit of film recently, but that's all like, that's all draft film. Like it, it's all their highlights anyway. Like all those, all those. I'm I'm not gonna act like I know how he plays on a on a game to game basis. Like all these other guys, I watched almost every single game that they played in this year. Dyson Daniels, I didn't see a lot of. I know he's got a good skill set. I know he's big. I know he can defend. But I mean, outside of that. Uh, you guys can speak on him more if yeah. you know a little bit about him. Yeah, I can speak a little bit on Dyson Daniels. Um, he is a guy that in the G League Ignite last year he played for. Uh, yeah, he played for the G League Ignite. So um, he played with guys like Scoot Henderson and uh, Beauchamp. He's also very good. He's going to be in this draft. Um, but yeah, he ended up taking over that team, and I'm not going to say taking over, but he did average 11 points six rebounds and about five assists uh, on the Ignite. And also, he was a great defender. I don't know his defense or his defense stats off the top of my head, but that's 1. what 9 I steals. Yeah, 1.9 blocks. Yeah, 0.7 blocks. So that's personally where I have most of his value at is on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an extremely good defender, and – he also said that he's close to six eight with no shoes. He measured at six seven and a, or six seven and three quarters at the combine with no shoes, which is extremely tall. And being a point guard, uh, I think that's obviously very well. Um, one, you know, thing about him that scares me a lot is he was very efficient field goal percentage wise. I want to say he was fifty three percent from the field or something, and he was thirty percent from the three point line, which is a little bit concerning, but. Uh, the reason that I don't think that he will be able to develop a three-pointer is because his free throw percentage is hovering at a whopping 53%. And having a point guard, uh, a guard in general, shooting from the line in the 50s is just not good. Mm -hmm. And that just scares me a little too much on his upside on the offensive end uh, in the league. But I think, you know, personally, I have him going um, number eight. Uh, to the Pelicans, I think he would be a great fit. He wouldn't have to do too much on offense, uh, and he can just come in and be a defensive guy like he is right now. Yeah, Joey. Um, so Dyson Daniels, he definitely has a concerning three-point shot. I actually pulled up his free throw percentage. It was like around 74%. But the thing is, he shot 25.5% from three last year, which is pretty concerning. Uh, that's a really low, really low rate. Um, mm-hmm. considering he played like 31 minutes a game. So he was getting a lot of play time and shooting really bad. Um, and he also shot like 45% from the field, which is good. But uh, the three-pointer is definitely concerning. But he reminds me a lot of like a Josh Gady kind of guy who's a, a good playmaker, has a lot of length, um, but he's a better defender than Josh Gady. So uh, could potentially be better on that side of the ball. Josh Gady, I think, will be a better scorer when it's all said and done. But um Dyson Daniels is a, he's a very, very solid prospect. And I think he will be a very good fit for the Pacers uh, if they were to pick him up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So moving on to seven, <clears throat> who has the seventh pick? Sorry. I don't have the team. No, Portland oh yeah. Portland has seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if Portland's going to keep seven. I really don't. Yeah. I personally don't think they will. Yeah, I think they're going to move it. Yeah. I don't know to who, um, but just in terms of like prospects wise, I ha- I have Shaden Sharp going seven. Um, that's who I have. I mean, we. Sp- I did I, as well. Yeah, so. we spoke on him a good amount. So mm-hmm. I, I don't really have anything else to yeah, dive we, into with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
That's what who I have going seven too. Yeah, yeah, so okay. we all agree on that. Mm-hmm. I think if they do keep the pick, they will go him at seven. I know they're high on him. So yeah. Um. Okay. Moving on to number eight, I had Dyson Daniels. I know you had Me, Dyson at yeah, eight, right? We talked about him. Yeah. Um. Max, who did you have at eight? Um. So number eight, I'm actually going to go with Jeremy Sohan out of mm-hmm. uh, Baylor. Um. He's a guy I'm really high on. He is a uh, an elite defensive player. And I think he fits um, exactly the scheme that the Pelicans want to run, which is like uh, having Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum and surrounding them with really good defenders to kind of make up for their lack of defense. And I think that kind of showed in the playoffs and in the play in uh, by being able to sneak two games from the Suns and actually, you know, doing really well in the play in. Um, a guy he reminds me a lot of is Herb Jones, who they just got last year in the draft. Mm-hmm. So he's a essentially like a, a forward power forward who can guard legitimately guard one through five. Yeah. Um, he has, I believe it was a seven foot wingspan. So he's got a lot of length. Um, he's an underrated shot creator. Actually. He only averaged like nine points a game for Baylor, but he has a pretty good mid range shot, um, which is an underrated aspect of his game. So mm-hmm. I have seen potential comparisons uh, online of him being like a Pascal Siakam kind of guy. I don't personally see it, but, like, he could develop into a better offensive player than Herb Jones. So I just think with that defensive potential um, and with what the Pelicans are trying to do there, um, with the identity that they're trying to create, I think it's a great pickup for them. Yeah, I agree. I watched a ton of Baylor this year. Um, I loved Baylor all year. And I agree with you 100%. It's kind of interesting to see, like, the draft in terms of guys who can legitimately defend one through five – it makes their draft stock go this high. I mean, like, in terms of in terms of guys in college basketball last year, I don't think Sohan's, like, top 25 of who I would have. But in terms of the NBA, the way he can defend, the Siakam thing is a little bit of a, of a stretch. I agree with you, Max, yeah. that I don't see that as much. But he does have a good, like, 10 to 15 footer. He worked a lot on the baseline, like, one dribble up to the rim. Like, he can finish. He was okay at the free throw line, not great. Um, I think I think he was one of the guys that was really low from the free throw line, like if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like fifty um, something percent. Yeah, so, yeah, something in there. Not not great, but um, f- for the fit, I I think I think that's a good pick. I think that's a good pick in yeah. terms of that team. So. And uh, while we're on the topic of Jeremy so- Sohan, I think that uh, you know this is a great opportunity to give our first play. And personally, uh, I think that he is gaining a lot of steam to go top 10. And right now, if you look on FanDuel Sportsbook, he's actually plus 150 to be a top 10 pick. Yeah. And I think that's great value. I think that's going to end up changing by the time the draft comes. Uh, he's gaining a lot of steam. You know, there's always a guys uh, that end up moving into the top 10 that weren't supposed to go there. Uh, for example, Patrick Williams a couple years ago. Um, you know, there's always just guys that jump in, and I think he could definitely be mm-hmm. uh, one of those guys that jumps in. And Pre-ball plus 150 year. is a uh, great value for him. So I think that, uh, you know, if you think that he's going to go top 10. Uh, I like that. I'm going to ride that with you for yeah, sure. I like I, that a lot. I think that's, I think that's great value because I, I think he can go anywhere mm-hmm. in this top 10. Um, anything else? Or we can move on yeah, to nine. Move on to number nine. Um, number nine is San Antonio. Uh, I think Jalen Dern is going to go number nine. I think that's a I think that's a great bet. I don't know what he is to go top ten. Um, minus, he's minus. 
105 last time I checked. Yeah, I yeah. think I think that's a fantastic bet for him to go 10 or top 10 because yeah. I think I really think he's going number nine to San Antonio. I agree. I think he fits uh, well with Dejounte Murray and what they have going there. Um, they really do need a solid big. I think he has a ton, a ton of upside in terms of a big in the NBA. Um, he's athletic, especially for his size. He can rebound. He can block shots. He he does concern me a little bit. At literally anyone from Memphis concerns me just of how much of a roller coaster that team was all year. Yeah. But um, I think going to the Spurs is a great system for him to go to, especially after being in that college system. Yeah. Um, but I I like Jalen at nine for sure. Yeah, and I'm gonna agree with you in that. I have Jalen Duran going number nine to the San Antonio Spurs as well. Um, I think they need a big man, and Jalen Duran's just a guy that you really can't pass up on. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, before this year, he was actually projected to go top five. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's an extremely good player. This year he uh, averaged – he was 60% from the field while he averaged 12 rebounds, um, 8.1 boards, 1.3 assists, 2.1 blocks, and a steal a game. Uh, that's very good. He's an extremely good defensive player. He's also 6'11", and he's massive. He's 250. Mm-hmm. But if you look at his physical structure, he is pure muscle. Yeah, he's like, huge. He is like, he can, uh, you know, dunk on anybody in the league, and I'm confident he could be a guy that, you know, when he, you know, develops, he can easily bang with Giannis down low and, and beat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to take a little bit of work. Uh, you know, he's very raw. Um, but – Another thing that concerns me, too, is that he doesn't really try and shoot the ball, like, at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he didn't make a three-pointer last year, and that's not really his strength. He doesn't really shoot the ball, and that could end up hurting him. But going into the Spurs system and having Coach Pop as your coach, I think they would be able to, you know, lead him in the right direction and develop him the right way. So I think that would be a perfect fit for him and uh, him having a – or DeJounte Murray having a lob threat uh, would be huge for their team mm-hmm. going forward. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys both. I'm going to go with Jalen Duren uh, to the Spurs. I would actually have it different. Like if Jeremy Sohan, if I didn't have him going eight, I would have him going nine. But okay. um, I'm actually really high on Jakob Pertl on the Spurs, their center, mm-hmm. their current center. He was actually really good for them last year. Um, very underrated, very under the radar kind of guy. But I do think you know, Duran obviously has more potential than him. So it's like, how could you pass up that kind of player at number nine? Mm. Um, the one thing that you guys both touched on um, is that he's not really much of a shooter, but he has a nice mid-range shot, like for a big man. And he reminds me a lot of DeAndre Ayton, actually, with his mid-range shot, um, where he's got that nice touch to him. Uh, although most of his work comes on the low block in the post, and he's just very dominant. Um, great rebounder, great rim protector, uh, seven five wingspan. Nothing much more I need to say about him. Yeah, I mean, like with his athleticism and like you said, Joey, with his structure, he could easily put on twenty pounds and still be that athletic, mm-hmm. like muscular wise. Like he's he's got a lot of potential, and like we saw it this year. Even though the NBA is moving towards that four guards and a big, if you can find that really solid big, it's going to help you a ton. Like, Robert Williams is a guy that I love. Like, he's unbelievable. Like, 
in his role, he's the best player on the Celtics, in my opinion. I, I'm not saying he's the best player, but in terms of his role, I agree with you. That he, I think he plays his role the best out of anyone on that team. If you can find a guy like that, I don't think that Duran is. Can, I mean, he can get to that level. I, I don't know if he's. Say, that's a great comparison because yeah. that's who I was thinking as well. Yeah, is Robert Williams. Like if. It just comes down to, especially, like, once you get on a good team, like a team that's going to make a run, everyone's got to play their role. And if if he buys into the role of being a rebounder, being a shot blocker, controlling the paint, you know, like affecting shots from guards, I, I think he can be a really, really good player. And I, I, I just think it's hard for the Spurs to pass up on him just because of they've hit with guards recently in the draft. Primo is still – I don't even think he's 20 yet, and he had a good year. Um, oh, God, what's his name? Really yeah, good. Vassal. Yeah, Vassal. Yeah, yeah, him. Yep, like, he's he's a lights-out three-point shooter. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they've got a good backcourt, like, setup. I think adding adding Duran, even though Pirtle is good, I agree with you, I, I think they can make some noise for sure. 100%. Um, moving, moving on to 10. Which is New York? Uh, it's the Wizards. Is it? Oh yeah, yeah. Eleven's mm-hmm. New York, right? Yeah. Okay. New York. Um. So ten is Washington. Uh, I personally have AJ Griffin going to Washington. There's a lot of mock drafts and other drafts that uh, like Johnny Davis here. I just think AJ Griffin personally has a higher ceiling. I think he's going to be better in the NBA than Johnny Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, AJ Griffin is a guy who can really defend. When he wants to, um, he can really, really shoot it. I mean, we saw it all year. When he gets hot, um, he, he really has the ability to be to be a 40-plus percent three-point shooter in the league. He's going to have a lot of space to work. He can create his own shot, um, not as much as maybe Johnny Davis, but I, I personally have A.J. Griffin going 10 to Washington. Yeah. Um, for me at number 10, I have Johnny Davis uh, going. And personally, it's really not a great fit. I think that him and Bradley Beal wouldn't really mesh because both of them aren't really, you know, great passers. Bradley Beal, you know, he's developed his game, but he's more of a scorer. Um, but I think I'm just going to go Johnny Davis right now um, because of I think he's probably the best player available at this point. But personally, I'm saying that on an NBA, uh, you know, just what I think NBA GMs think. But personally, I'm really high on A.J. Griffin, and the only reason that he fell in my mock draft to number 11 is because uh, he's had these injuries uh, that are affecting him a lot with these NBA teams, and they're getting scared to draft him. But I think his potential-wise, he's the guy that could be top five in this draft. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's only 18 years old, and last year he averaged about 10 points a game on a stacked Duke team, Uh, and he shot 45% from three, and... If you look at his game from college, like from high school to college, you would see two totally different players. When yeah. he was in high school, he was getting 30 to 35 points a game. I mean, he he was dunking on everybody, shooting it from deep. Uh, I'm not going to say he was held back at Duke, but I think if he stayed another year and played with the team next year, he could be that lead guy mm-hmm. uh, and be a, could average close to 20 points a game, in my opinion. Uh, you know, he's extremely athletic and long and, uh, well, not extremely athletic. I mean, he's pretty athletic, but not, you know, like a Jaden Ivey or anything. Mm-hmm. But, um, 
Yeah, he's just an extremely good three-point shooter. Uh, one thing or one area that I'm kind of questionable about is his defense because of his injuries to his ankles and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see how he'll be able to move at the NBA level, but I think the sky's the limit for A.J. Griffin. Yeah. I'm actually going to say, uh, yeah, A.J. Griffin goes 10 for me. Mm-hmm. Um, great. Like you said, Joey, he is a completely different player from high school to now or when he was at Duke. But that was mainly because, obviously, at Duke, he had so many, so much other talent surrounding him, including right. Paolo, Wendell Moore, Mark Williams. There were so many guys mm-hmm. there at Duke. Um, but he was still very efficient. Um, while he was at Duke. I mean, he shot 49% from the field, 45% from three, uh, 80% from the line. Those are great numbers. And uh, he actually had a 40-inch vertical um, when he tested for Duke. With I think he might have actually – he may have had a higher than Paulo uh, vertical. So he's like – he's actually sneakily very athletic. Yeah, definitely. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's – He's also got a seven-foot wingspan for being 6'6". So he's got, like, the perfect build to be, like, a 3 and D guy in the NBA. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I see a lot of he reminds me of – yeah, yeah, yeah. I see that, too. And I also see Bogdanovich, um, Bogdan Bogdanovich, mm-hmm. uh, where Bogdanovich is kind of more of a three-point guy. But he can score um, at all three levels if necessary. And I think that's kind of how A.J. Griffin is. And I think that's something that Washington needs is a guy like A.J. Griffin. Um, cause you never know how long, like how much more of Bradley Beal you really have in Washington. So, uh, getting a guy who has this kind of scoring potential, I think is a great pickup for them at time. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, number 11 is New York. Uh, I have Johnny Davis going 11. Uh, we spoke on Johnny Davis a little bit, but I mean, yeah. The jump that he made from his freshman year to his sophomore year at Wisconsin was extremely impressive. I mean, just as impressive as Jaden Ivey, in yeah, my opinion. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, he he really carried that team. Just was one of the best players in the country all year. Uh, the way that he scored, I mean, at all three levels, from three dribble pull ups, posting people up. I mean, he he was just really really impressive all year. Um, I think he can be a really good player. He. If he gets taken at 11 to to New York, he kind of feels like a guy that they're just going to hate at first. I mean, because they hate everyone. They don't like anybody. Well, they want Ivy, so yeah. they don't get Ivy, they're riding. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I think he can be a really, really good player. I think he's going to need a little bit of time to, f- to adjust to the speed. I mean, like we kind of saw it in college. It took him a couple years to really find his game. He wasn't as, like, high-level ready as some of the other guys. Um, But, I mean, he really did step up his game. So, I have him going 11. I just think he's the best available there. Yeah, I personally had A.J. Griffin going at number 11. Uh, I talked about him a lot Mm -hmm. uh, in the last pick. So, Max, who did you have at 11? I got Johnny Davis at 11. Um, But I will say, I am... I'm not super high on Johnny Davis. I, I don't really like him as a prospect. Um, mean, me he doesn't. Really, I agree. Yeah, he's kind of just eh to me. Mm-hmm. It's like you're settling for him at that point. Um, he kind of reminds me of Kevin Knox. So shout out to all Knicks fans. Uh, you're getting Kevin <laughs> Knox 2.0. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. He's probably going to be better than Kevin Knox, but he wasn't very efficient last year at Wisconsin. Uh, he wasn't a great three point shooter. Uh, there wasn't anything about his game that really wowed me. He was just, you know, physically 
gifted and athletic and was able to get to the basket and also drew a lot of fouls because of how physical he was. Um, So that's where a lot of his point production came from. He had one of the highest free throw rates in all of college basketball last year. So I think that they're going to end up taking him at 11, but I don't love it personally if I'm a New York fan. Mm -hmm. I agree. I personally might go Malachi Branham there if I'm the GM. Maybe. Just based off of my board because he hasn't been picked yet. Um, Yeah, that's just me. Mm. Or even a Baji. I I would probably take a Baji over him. Yeah, I feel I, like Agbaji's he's been getting slept on a lot. Like, I agree with that. Like looking at Mox, I was really, really surprised yeah, at like, like where he was on. I remember he was supposed to be like top ten mm-hmm. for sure, and now he's slipping to even pass the lottery in some yeah. drafts. So yeah. I don't know. I think there's a lot of potential there as well. Mm-hmm. But we'll get into that. Okay, so moving on to number twelve. Who has twelve? That Thunder. Is the, yeah, Thunder. Oh, they have twelve too. Yep. Okay. Um, I personally, um, this is going like against some mocks and where I've seen him going. I personally have Mark Williams going 12. I Not think, bad. I think he's the, going to be the best player available at this point. I'm really, really high on Mark Williams. He had a fantastic tournament. I, I think he can be better than, than Jalen Duran for sure. Like in terms of his wingspan, his ability to impact things down low. Um, He's taller. Yeah, wow. I'd, Yo, I'd, do you yeah. mind if I interject real quick? Because didn't Go you ahead. have Chet going number two to the Thunder? Would you have I them did, taking yeah. two centers? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I think Chet is like – I think Chet is just going to like play wherever. Fair. That's um, fair. Okay, yeah. sorry. My bad. I just wanted to four. get your opinion on that. Four for sure. Yeah, no, that that's good. I that I feel you. That's a good like that's a great observation. I just I just had him at twelve. I didn't. I kind of discounted the teams. Like I did, I just kind of ranked them as best available. Um, but I I love Mark Williams. I I think he can go this high. I think he can go even higher in the draft. I wouldn't be surprised if I saw him go like to San Antonio. Um, I I just think the way he impacts the game. He can really, really move. Like, he can guard some of the guards um, in the league. He, he's going to be fine on switches. He has enough size and enough length to guard the, the really big Giannis's and Beads in the league. So I have Mark Williams going 12. Uh, I don't really like that I had Chet. That's a, that's a good point. But uh, I'll be I, honest. I think he's the 12th best player in the draft. I'll, I'll be honest, though. Like, a team of... Josh Giddy, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Lou Dort, let's say right now, mm-hmm. Chet and Mark Williams, that would be a really good squad right there. Yeah. So I mean I like even that. picking Mark Williams while you're picking Chet as well, <laughs> I'd say you can have your front court of the future potentially right there. Because mm-hmm. the Thunder don't have like they have Darius Baisley and you know some other guys like that, but these aren't guys that like are one hundred percent gonna be sticking around guys. Right. Like the Thunder definitely wanna draft some big men. Um so, yeah, I think that wouldn't be terrible. But personally, I had the Thunder taking Malachi Branham. Mm. I think that he's just too good of a talent to leave there. And I get that they have Josh Giddy and Shea Gil- Gilgis-Alexander, but they don't really have, like, a, you know, six-man right now. Like, mm. they have, like, point guards like Theo Maladon and, you know, what's his name from Virginia? Uh, I don't even – can't remember his name. Ty Jerome. Yeah, Ty yeah, Jerome. Yeah. Yep, Ty Jerome. But – um. Yeah, they got guys like that, but 
bringing Malachi Brainham in, he could be an instant impact next year off the bench. I mean, yeah. he can lead their bench unit if needed. Uh, he's just that good of a prospect, in my opinion, and we talked about him a lot before, so I'm not going to talk about him too much more, but yeah. that's my reasoning why I have Malachi Brainham going uh, number 12. I like Thunder. that. I like that. All those guys, like, outside of Shea, aren't really pure scorers right. as well, like, in term, like, like Branham is, so I like that. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good point. Yeah, I, I like that a lot, too. I think, though, that potentially we could see a riser here at the 12 spot, and I think Tari Eason would be a great fit mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. OKC Thunder. That's the other guy I'm very high on in this draft and I think would be a very underrated pickup for any team at 12, whether the Thunder trade it um, or they keep it. He's a guy who can, just like Jeremy Sohan, can guard one through five. Um, he's even more disruptive, though, than Sohan in, in terms of forcing steals and getting blocks. So you're getting a guy who is just an absolute force on the defensive side while also scoring 17 a game um, as the sixth man for LSU last year. And he only played, I believe it was 20-something, 24 minutes a game. That's nearly only half of a game. Mm -hmm. His efficiency was was crazy. I bet on him a lot. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he's uh, he he also great shot. I mean, it's a little awkward looking his three pointer, but he can he hits it at a very high rate for a player of his position who is honestly positionless. Mm-hmm. And the only knack I would say is that he's not much of a playmaker. But OKC at this point would already have guys who are capable playmakers. He doesn't need to be a playmaker. They just want him to get buckets and play defense. And I think that's exactly what they get with him. So yeah, that's why I have going twelve. I like sure. that. As a riser, I, I really like that pick. Um, just really quick to defend my Chet and Mark Williams together. <laughs> that kind of reminds me of Al Horford and Robert Williams a little bit. You got one guy who can, like, stretch it out, move, and then one guy who can really, really defend. So uh, that that's going to be an interesting pick. Uh, moving on to 13, Charlotte has the 13th pick. I personally have Ochai going 13. I think he's a good fit for Charlotte there, especially <clears throat> with all the Miles Bridges noise. I don't think he's going to get moved, but uh, I think that he's a good pick there for the future in terms of I think I don't think Miles is going to stay there for the rest of his career. So getting like a 2-3-4 type player like Abaji there to play with LaMelo and uh, Terry Rozier is is going to be good for them. So mm-hmm. I, I love Abaji, obviously national championship national championship winner, one of the best players in college basketball all year. He's got freak athletic ability. He can really shoot it, score at all three levels. Um, like you said, I'm surprised he has fell this far and right. even farther in a lot of other mocks. But mm-hmm. I like Abaji uh, in this spot going to Charlotte. Yeah, for me, I have the Hornets taking Jeremy Sohan. Um, we talked about him earlier. He's a great defender. Uh, I think this would be a great pick for them because uh, they lack defense. Like, they really don't have any just pure defender, especially, uh, you know, at the three. They have mm-hmm. Gordon Hayward right now, who is really just an offensive player. They have Terry Rozier, who doesn't really care about defense. Uh, Lamelo, who is a, you know, he's a two-way player. He cares about defense. He plays defense. Uh, but, you know, they just really lack defense, and I think them drafting Jeremy Sokan uh, can help them a ton. He's mm-hmm. probably uh, definitely one of, if not the best defender. I'm not going to say best defender with Chet and, you know, guys like that. Uh, but I would say on-ball defender, just pure defender. 
Uh, he's one of the best defenders in this draft, and uh, I think that would be a perfect pickup uh, for the Hornets, especially seeing that they have guys like James Bucknight in the G League last year, uh, who they picked in the lottery last year. Um, mm-hmm. He's going to end up, I think, next year coming to the team and being a great role uh, off the bench as like maybe you know a six-man or seventh man, something like that. And I think he's going to end up uh, putting some more points on the board for them. Uh, I don't know how great he's going to be defensively, I know he's a very good offensive player, so that's why I'm saying I think he'll, you know, put some points up on the offensive end uh, for them. So that's why I think that their backcourt with Lamelo and him in the future, I would say that's a pretty solid backcourt, uh, depending how he can develop himself. And from what I've seen at UConn, I think he has a high potential. I think he could be a great scorer in this league. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's a and dog. Yeah, I love so I love him a lot. That's my opinion on who the Hornets are going to be taking. Yeah, so I'm going to go a little different here. I'm going to go center for the Hornets, and I'm going to go Mark Williams out of Duke. Okay. Um, I think that's a position of need for them, honestly, is a center, because Mason Plumlee is not going to be the guy for them um, in the future. And Montrezl Harrell just got arrested. So uh, they kind of need a center. And I think uh, Mark yeah. Williams is like <laughs> the perfect guy for them, honestly. Uh, he's, ju- in my opinion, he's very like very close to Chet in shot blocking. Um there's actually a statistic that basketball reference has um, where it's a percent, it's block percentage. So it's an estimate of the percentage of opponent two point field goal attempts blocked by the player while he was on the floor. Uh, Mark Williams was 11.4 and Chets was 12.6. Let me just say anything above a 10 for block percentage is absolutely like ridiculous. So he's going to be an elite elite rim protector for for years to come and he's also one of the best rebounders um great lob threat isn't much of a shooter but i think with everything else that he does um it's worth taking him there at 13 Mm -hmm. yeah he's just one of those guys like if he plays his role he can be one of the best players in his role in the league and like this is not a measurable stat but the way that he blocks shots is like i love like every block that he has is aggressive like that he's swatting it like yeah. they're he's not like yeah. lightly tapping the rock he's putting yeah. 10 rows up yeah like. and you know he actually my comparison for him was robert williams um and robert williams like i told joey this a while back he reminds me so much of ben wallace just because of how small he is for a center but how mm-hmm. dominant of a defender and a rebounder he is i think he's going to be a force in the league for years and i think mark yeah. williams is just a taller version of him yeah i agree with that I, I love Robert Williams too. I, while we're talking, I think about, he's a good comparison. While we're talking about Robert, um, I actually have a little bit of a hot take to say about him. I think he is definitely going to be up there for Defensive Player of the Year next year. I think if he doesn't, if he's not injured, he will win it. And the reason I think is because last year, even though Marcus Smart won Defensive Player of the Year, statistically, mm-hmm. Robert Williams was by far the best defender on the team. Like by far, wasn't even close. So that's why I think his potential-wise on the defensive end, he can easily be, you know, first-team all-defender for the rest of his career if he, yeah. you know, wanted. Uh, but you know, he's just so special on the. De- I, can I? Can end, I? So. I got another hot Maybe, take yeah. with, for you with with Robert Williams. I think he's a better defender than Rudy Gobert because he can actually Rudy play Gobert perimeter defense. Rudy Gobert is garbage. I don't. I don't want to get too <laughs> deep into that, but I think he stinks. Yeah. He is trash. No, he, well, Robert Williams can actually play perimeter defense, and that's what I think yeah. separates them because they're really both really good at 
uh, rim protecting, which I'll give to Rudy mm. Gobert. But I agree. I'm not a huge Rudy Gobert fan. I think he's a bit overrated by advanced analytic nerds. But, yeah. I, I don't think favorite. that's a hot take. I don't think that's a hot take at all, Joey. Yeah. I, I don't want to give anything away because you guys know we do a futures episode every year. But um, shout out Mihaly, too. I've I've been waiting since, like, January when the Celtics really turned it around. I've been waiting for the lines to come out. Robert Williams, Defensive Player of the Year next year. Yeah. I, I, I'm in. Whatever it's at, I'm taking it. I don't Me care too. what it's at. Yeah. If he stays healthy, I think he's winning it. Um, I agree. I mean. Yeah, I'm not going to get too deep into that. Uh, number 14 is Cleveland. Um, I have Sohan at 14 here. Um, I mean, we've talked about him enough. He's just a great defender. I think he would. I think he would complement guys like Garland and Mobley. Like they teams would have a hard time scoring on them if they add Sohan. Um, I think he can really play a good role for Cleveland. Um, when you have a scorer like Garland, Mobley has the ability to score at at all levels. Honestly, um, you got Jared Allen there too. So scoring on them is going to be tough. And that's my pick at 14. At 14, I'm going to have the Cleveland Cavaliers taking Ochai Abaji. Mm. And I think this would be an extremely good pick for them. Mm. They would be getting lucky, uh, you know, to draft this guy at number 14 because he was supposed to be a top 10 pick. And even though he was supposed to be a top 10 pick before this year, he played extremely well. He averaged 18.8 points. Uh, He shot 40.9% from three. He was 47.5% from the field, and he also averaged a steal a game and .6 blocks a game. So he was there on the defensive end as well. Uh, he's about 6'6", 215. Uh, he's got the length. He's got the size. Um, you know, I don't think that the Cavaliers are going to be keeping Colin Sexton, so I think they're going to be moving on from him. Mm-hmm. And that's where I put uh, Agbaji in his place, and I think he could be – a great player for them in the future. I think he could fit perfectly next to Darius Garland. And, yeah, I just think that it would be a perfect fit for them over in Cleveland. That's a great pick. Yeah, I I agree. I'm going to go with Malachi Branham, but if it weren't Malachi Branham, I would go with Abaji. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're both – would they would both be great fits for Cleveland because they can both play that three, um, which they drafted a Coro a couple years ago, but he's not really much of a scoring threat for them right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Branham would be in, in or uh, Abaji, but Abaji. I think Branham, I got Branham going here. So I already spoke a lot about him and how high I am on him. I think he yeah. has the potential to be in the race for rookie of the year, like right off the mm-hmm. bat next year. Um, we'll see because his role in Cleveland would definitely be interesting to see how that plays out. Would he be the second option? Um, or the third option behind Mobley and uh, Garland. I don't know. And Sexton, too. So it'll be interesting, but I I think that would be a great pick for them. Yeah, I agree. And then last pick of the lottery, 15, is Charlotte again, right? Yep, Charlotte again. Charlotte again. Um, I know I just had them taking Abaji, but I'm going to put Branham here. I just think once you get past 12, like, once you get past 10, really, you're going to draft best available. And I think if Branham's still there, he's the best player available. So, I mean, we spoke a lot on him. I don't really have to get into that, but that's who I have them. Yeah, so who I had the Hornets taking at number 15 is Mark Williams. And personally, I think that if they got Sohan and Mark Williams, 
that would be an extremely great draft. Mm-hmm. The, um, you know, one thing that obviously I said they lack is defense. And getting two extremely good defenders uh, at their positions, especially Mark Williams, I mean, he's amazing. And Sohan is amazing just as well in uh, his own way. But that would be great for them. Uh, they don't really need a score too much. They already have LaMelo. We'll see what happens with, uh, you know, uh, Bridges. But I don't know if he's going to end up s- staying. That's why I kind of had them taking Sohan as well is because he could maybe, you know, fill his role over there, uh, add in a defender, and maybe LaMelo scores a lot more. We'll see what ends up happening there. But, yeah, I think it would be a great fit. Uh, like Max said, they have – you know, Mason Plumlee right now, which he's definitely not the long-term option. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that would be great for them to get Mark Williams and would be a great fit. Yeah, I agree. And I'll, to round us out, I'm going to have Ochai Abaji going 15 to the to the Hornets. I think it would be a great 3 and D player to have alongside of LaMelo, um, like Theo said, especially if Miles were to leave uh, this offseason mm-hmm. or in the future. Um He's going to be – he's a great defender, great three-point shooter. Um, it's really all you need to know about him. He's going to be a great 3 and D player for years to come. Yeah, 100%. All right, so that does it for the lottery. Um, let's get into some betting picks. All right, so now we're going to get into some betting picks. Um, Joey, go ahead and start with your first one. We're just going to rattle off a bunch of random ones. Yeah, so as I stated there. earlier in the podcast – I think a great one is uh, Jeremy Sohan. Uh, He's plus 150 right now, which is actually up from what he was earlier today, which I think it's great value. It was great value earlier today at around, I think it was 135, and now it's up to plus 150. And, you know, he's gaining a lot of traction to be taken in the top seven, or not the top seven, in the top ten. So I think that would be a great pick. Uh, Another one would be – probably AJ Griffin the only reason that it would it scares me is because of the injury concerns personally I have him as like a top seven player in this draft Mm -hmm. if it weren't for those injuries I would have had him easily going to the Portland Trailblazers at number seven so it really just depends how the teams are feeling Um, but he could potentially be a great uh, lock at what as well right now he's plus 185 uh, to go in the top 10 yeah I like that I I agree 100% with the Sohan top 10 pick um, I'm going to be taking that. I'm also definitely going to take uh, Jalen Duran to go top 10 at minus 105. I just think that's great value at even money, um, especially because Johnny Davis is minus 135 to go top 10. I think that Duran has just even better value, and he can go as high as 8 or 9. So yeah, I, um, agree. I, I really like that value a lot. Another pick that I'm definitely going to um, – <clears throat> I'm definitely going to take just in terms of the value – is Ben Matherin to go number five to the Pistons. It's plus 250. This is kind of like a personal pick because if we don't get Ivy, I'll be upset. But if we take Matherin and I win some cash, um, I'll, I'll be all right with that. So uh, like we said earlier, I think we all said if we don't take if we don't get Ivy at five, um, oh, well, Max here a little bit lower on him. But I think we take Ben at five um, if we don't get him. So I think yep. plus 250 is great great value um ivy is plus 230 to go five so honestly with the way things have been trending even in the couple hours that we've been together it really looks like keegan is going to go four. so um ivy to go five at plus 230 
or Matherin to go five at plus 250. I'm going to sprinkle on both of those because, I mean, you're you're getting good value. You're making profit either way if you put a unit on each of those. So um, Ivy at plus 230 to go five and Matherin at plus 250 to go five um, are my two additional picks. Yeah, so my picks are going to be like kind of go hand in hand with each other. Um, complimentary picks. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you're confident that Keegan Murray is going to go four, then I would take Keegan Murray at plus 20, 125 to go four. I think right now it's trending in the right direction. It looks like that's going to happen as long as the Kings mm-hmm. keep their pick. Um, and then at five, if that were if you were confident that Keegan Murray goes four, then I would hammer Jaden Ivey going five because I think yeah. there's no way that the Pistons would let him slip past five at that point. So either I, I feel like obviously there's potential that you lose both of those, but there's also potential that you win, you split both, and then mm-hmm. or you land both of them. So it's a little bit of a riskier uh, bet if you if you're interested in that, but it's something that I might look into uh, personally doing just because I'm personally confident that that's something that will probably happen, um, mm-hmm. or at least the very least you know Keegan Murray I get the Keegan Murray pick right and then I get my money there. So all right. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Um, I don't see any scenario in which Jay Ivey's there at five and we don't take him. I mean, if he is there at five and we don't take him. <laughs> and, like, I, tr- I, don't even I feel like I trust it. the Pistons' front office, like, a thousand percent, which is something that I have never been able to do as a fan. Yeah. And I, if they were to yes. do that, like, my trust would legit be back to almost, like, zero. Mm-hmm. Like, it would be... Very questionable. I'd be in. Sha- I would be in Jayden shambles. Ivey. I would be like, in shambles. Very questionable, because Jaden Ivey is a guy that on a lot of NBA GMs draft boards, he's actually number one. Mm-hmm. So you know, if some teams were at number one, if they didn't really need a big, Jaden Ivey would be the guy that would be going at number one. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm extremely high on him, and if the Pistons were to do that, I would be extremely sad. But I guess I would just have to hope for the best. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think a good tail option there too at the five spot is taking Ben Matherin at plus two eighty. Um, yeah, just because I mean, if we don't get Ivy, that's looks like that's probably who we're going to get. So I would imagine heading into this draft that we're going to come out with either Matherin or Ivy. So if you take both of them, then you're most likely going to win at least one of those. So yeah, a hundred percent. One more bet I have: they haven't been up on books. The, at least today when I've looked because all the movement has been insane but they usually do like a correct order like a one two three or a one two three four correct order bet I really like Jabari Chet Paolo one two three if they offer that I think um I mean that's going to be plus money whatever it is I obviously like I said they're not up right now but Jabari Chet Paolo to go one two three if they offer that I think that's I, I personally think it's a lock. I'm scared of the Paolo movement, but um, those three to go in that order, and then um, you can sprinkle Jabari, Chet, Paolo, Ivy, and then Jabari, Chet, Paolo, Keegan. Um, that'll add a little more value as well. I mean, those like I said, especially the the top four, those will easily be above plus two hundred. So I mean, you can sprinkle both of those and still make profit. So that's gonna do it for my picks. I don't know if you guys yeah have any more. no I don't have. Uh, any other ones? The one that I was going to say was Keegan Murray at number four at plus money. I think that's great value. Um, being able to get a guy that's pretty much projected at this point to go number four with how high the Kings are on him. 
Uh, I think that's extremely good value. So I think as long as the Kings don't trade that number four pick, uh, it's just going to – stars are going to align and Keegan Murray is going to end up going number four. Yeah, with the way that line's been moving too, I think it's like a good thing to hop on it right. now because I would not be surprised if it gets to to less than uh, even money. Yeah, I remember when I, I actually threw a bet on Keegan Murray going number four a couple of days ago, and when I got it, it was at plus 270. So Justin literally – actually, this was yesterday morning actually. Mm-hmm. So it's only been, you know, almost two days – and the lines are drastically moving. So, and also at that time, that's when Paulo was about plus eight hundred uh, to go number one, and now he's about plus two forty. So, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of interesting uh, picks, but that's going to be mine. Uh, Max, you got any more? Yeah, I mean, uh, to kind of go with what Theo just said, um, if they have any draft day boosts that would have like Jabari, Chet, Paulo, one, two, three, I would one hundred percent take that all day long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if they don't do that, maybe one alternative that I might think about doing, it's a bit of a risky move, but it's doing three straight bets, um, one on each pick, just because I'm so confident that that's probably going to be the order is one, two, three. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it wouldn't be as good as, you know, obviously getting plus odds on like a boost or something. But um, at the end of the day, it just comes down to confidence in the, in the pick. And uh, yeah. I think I would have a lot of confidence in that. Yeah, 100%. That's it for Anything me. Anything else? I honestly have nothing else. No. No, that's it. <clears throat> yeah, I, th- I mean, we went over everything. We went over picks. We went over positions. We went over different scenarios. Every player. This was a one. mega yeah. draft podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah, we dove deep into the Pistons and all that scenario too. Um, thank you guys for coming on again. Yeah, thank, thank you guys you for, for having, having me on yours. Yeah, thank I you for having it. us. Um. Be sure to follow uh, these guys. On, do you guys have socials? Yeah, we have yeah. Instagram and Twitter right mm-hmm. now. Uh, we're actually in the process of making a TikTok as well, so be on the lookout for that. Um, yeah, that's we'll have our socials down below. So, yeah, uh, Max, if you want to say anything. Uh, before nah, I got nothing else, guys. Uh, Theo, mm-hmm. thanks again for having us on. Yeah, uh, it was great yeah. talking ball, and uh, oh, hopefully yeah. uh, some of our picks are right and we make some money on, on Thursday. Yeah, oh, yeah, hundred yeah. oh, yeah. percent. Um, yeah, be sure to follow us on uh, Twitter, TikTok at Posios Picks. Also, be sure to follow us on Picket. Shout out to Picket. Um, you guys know about Picket already. If you sign up with Picket, use our promo code Posios Picks. You get a sign up bonus. Um, the draft's gonna be very exciting. I can't wait. Hopefully, the Pistons make some good moves, and uh, the the league's gonna be interesting. Like I said, I think a lot of these rookies can have an impact, so it uh, it should be a good one. Um, But that's going to do it. We appreciate you guys for listening. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you guys in the next one. Peace. Peace.